All he did was almost record double-digit sacks. Steps up in the pocket and goes down. Guess who? Aiden Hutchinson. Here's a guy who has the work ethic and the talent. Now Willis taking a shot for the end zone and it's caught. First of all, I think Malik Willis from Liberty and Kenny Pickett from Pitt may even be gone by the time they pick at 50. Here's some good news. We are just two months. That's right, two months exactly from the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. And with that, we say hello and welcome back into First Draft. If you're still getting used to this new edition of the show, we don't blame you. It is our first season in which we are live-streamed every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on a variety of different social channels, ESPN's YouTube page, ESPN's Twitter, the app. If there's a way to watch us, we assure you it is available. I am Field Yates, and as always, I'm here to talk to the two men whose opinion you really care about. That is Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. Big week is on tap, gentlemen, as the NFL world will convene in Indianapolis for the scouting combine, the site of the event for many, many years, and we'll see whether it remains the site of the event going forward. But I want to start by looking into this event, and Todd, you'll be there, boots on the ground in Indy. What is it about the Combine Week in general that you always look most forward to? And then maybe is there something specific to this year that you have your eyes on? Yeah, I mean, I, I just love, first of all, getting, getting together with everyone at night after interviews and, and, and catching up and hearing the stories from the day and hearing the stories from the interviews. You know, it, it, they're always, your friends in the league are always fresh off of those interviews, and, and there's always some funny stories and some, some really enlightening stories. And then this year particularly, we've got a lot of guys who, I'm not saying they need the combine, but it's going to be very interesting to see what they do because they're, they're coming off of injury or, or a situation this past season. So, you know, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. I've got him as the number two overall player in this class. And what's he going to do with the combine? We think he's going to have a great workout, but it's the first time that we've seen him since week seven after he had the, the injury against USC. It's the first time we're going to see him since midseason and, and just see him, you know, out there working out and, and how does he look physically. And, and you can go down the list, you know, Drake London, Drake London from USC is another one, the wide receiver who could be and, and probably should be the number one receiver in this class. He's coming off of his midseason injury, and, and what does he look like physically? We know Jamison Williams, who who would have been the first overall receiver, is not going to work out. What is his medical check? You know, we'll have the the medicals from the combine, and then they'll have the recheck early in April. So there are a lot of guys that I'm interested to see what they did if they, especially coming off of injury at this year's combine. Mel, obviously there is no football actually played at the combine. As a matter of fact, some would argue, as Todd was just mentioning, that the most important part of this event might just be the medical examinations. Guys get uh, examined head-to-toe with a variety of different NFL doctors taking a look at them. So let me ask you this, Mel. Uh, It's a week-long event, and it's a huge part of the equation. But, like, what's the balancing act for you in evaluating these prospects in putting stock into this event that's taken place for decades, but also keeping in mind that is just a small piece of the evaluation puzzle relative to all the snaps they put on film during their college careers. I just had a conversation about that with my friends in the league, and Todd and I talked to these guys all the time, and we were saying, okay, if two guys are equal at a position or close, this can separate. 
they're equal. It's a separation. Todd mentioned the interviews, how to be there at a restaurant in Indy, getting all this. I'll be talking to the people before they go to the restaurant to hang with Todd <laughs> for the remainder of that evening. So we'll, we'll get that information on the interviews and the medical and all that. We'll get all the 40 times. And then basically, as Todd knows, and we all know, a lot of these guys, we don't even have accurate measurables on them yet. And that's why it's fun to see what they actually do in terms of those workouts and what those numbers and how they stack up to everything historically. We have all that going way, way back. And you always compare and contrast those numbers. And I also think this year, going into the combine, guys, there's only, I thought, three positions that are locked in. Tyler Linderbaum, he's the number one center. We know that from Iowa. Could go, you know, top 10. Then you go to inside linebacker Devin Lloyd from Utah, top 10. Probably the best inside linebacker, no questioning that right now. Then you go to safety Kyle Hamilton, despite coming off the injury. He's the number one safety by a mile. He's going to go in the top five. So those are three positions where we know who the top guy is. The other positions are pretty much up for grabs. Mm. you got battles going on, not only for the top spot, for maybe for even for that second, third, or fourth, or fifth spot. So the separation of guys that are really close, that are almost equal in terms of grade, right there, the separation and the decision that who's the better player, the better prospect on the board will come down to the combine and the pro day. So there is certainly a lot. Let to me let me say this too. Go ahead, Todd. Sorry, I'm going to jump jump in here. Just just to Mel's point, I think the offensive tackle position is fascinating. You talked. I've talked to people in the league over the last week. Talked to three different people. One says Cross is his guy. Charles Cross from Mississippi State. He's number one. One said Evan Neal's his guy. He's too big and athletic not to take him as the first tackle. And then another one said Ikem Ekwanu from North Carolina State. And I'll say this. At the workout, if, if you're a team that's split on two of these tackles and Equanu is one of them or you're leaning in that direction, I think this workout is going to solidify it for you. That doesn't mean all 32 teams, and it doesn't mean necessarily Jacksonville that could take Evan Neal from Alabama or Equanu from NC State with that first overall pick. But if that's the case and you're, and you're kind of 50-50 or you're leaning in one direction and the workout could sway you a little bit, I think Equanu is the guy who's, who's going to get the biggest advantage and that advantage could mean the difference between going one overall to Jacksonville and maybe sliding to let's say four to the to the Jets or, or five to the Giants. I think he's going to come. In, he's going to run a sub five second forty. He's going to have over thirty inches on on the um, on the vertical jump. He's got that lower body explosiveness. I think he's going to have. You know, you go back to Lane Johnson. Uh, he had the what the four seven two. Teron Armstead had the four seven one. Um, Joe Staley four seven eight. I'm just going off the top of my head. Tristan Wirfs had one of the best all-around workouts we've ever seen and he was a 4.85 at his size and all the explosive uh, you know, results that he had in, in the workout. So I think he's going to have one of those kind of, of, of workouts at the Indy Combine and if he does maybe that's the decision, maybe that helps sway Jacksonville to take him one and instead of going number four or five which in, in his, just personally for him is about five, six million dollars that he could wind up gaining in his rookie contract in guaranteed money. Really feels like the theme of this year's draft is shaping up to be what's your flavor, what's your taste, what's your preference, right? Because how Todd or Mel or I sees the offensive tackle board or the quarterback board or the pass rusher board could be very different than if you had a straw poll of 30 people around the NFL. Todd, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks because they're quarterbacks, the pass rushers because it feels like a strong pass rusher class. Do you think going into the combine there's an underrated position group that we should have our eyes on this week? 
I think tight end's kind of interesting, you know, because there's not, and you can say this about most positions in this class, but it's, there's, there's no one at the top that matches up with Kyle Pitts, let's say, or, or any, you know, any other elite tight end, but there's a lot of good players. You know, you, you just, you look at, at what the, the tight end position has, and it's, it's really deep. You, you go all the way down the list. I, I think you're going to see no first-round tight ends. Then I think you're going to see Trey McBride from Colorado State pretty early in the second round. Then Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina is going to be also in the second round. But where I think you get, you get value from this, whether it's a, you know, a Y tight end, an inline guy who can block, or an F tight end, someone who's on the move, or just a backup that can kind of do a little bit of both. The third and fourth round of this year's tight end class is better than, I think, the perception. I think we're going to get probably five or six guys that go on to have long, you know, long NFL careers, and maybe they're not the guy maybe they're not the elite of the elite they're not you know they're not Kelsey they're they're not Gronkowski or any of these guys but I think that we're going to get a bunch of guys that are really good starters or, or backups that are always contributing contributing I should say in a, a two-man rotation at that tight end spot that's yeah, odd I think in terms of the, of the underrated positions defensive tackle and field that's a spot where you think about Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis both from Georgia and others but then you get down to that fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth defensive tackle you even in the top 10 to 12. Matthew Butler, Tennessee, when you watch the tape on this kid, really underrated. He came back to Tennessee. He has surpassed what he had done over the previous four years in one season in terms of sacks and tackle for loss. He was disruptive. Go to the Alabama game. I mean, you put game after game. Matthew Butler, boy, if he gets lost in the shuffle a bit, you're going to get a steal there. And then you have Travis Jones from Connecticut. You certainly have depth at that spot beyond the elite guys. Neil Farrell Jr., I already talked about him when I, I went off script a few weeks ago from LSU. Then inside line or guys that are going to be deep into the third round, fourth round area. Brian Asamoah from Oklahoma. Asamoah is a good football player. Chad Moomin, we talked about. Damone Clark. I love Chance Campbell at Ole Miss. And corner, and corner where there may struggle. We may struggle to have five in the first. I think the depth at that position is pretty good. Houston Cougars have a couple guys, Williams and certainly Jones, that are really nice players. And I think the depth overall at corner, when you get into that third to sixth round area, you're going to find some maybe some hidden gems there. Todd, no pressure if there's no answer that comes to mind right away. But do you have a bold prediction for the combine that you're willing to stick your neck on the line, uh, stick your neck out for? Equanu going number one overall off of his workout wasn't wasn't good enough for you, Phil? No, that works. Uh, that totally <laughs> no, I, I, I'll quote you on no, that every day of the week. Yeah, and it won't be because of the workout. It'll be because of the player and the tape and, and who he can become and already what he's shown. But I, I do think Equanu has a chance, if he works out the way we think he's going to, to kind of sway the vote for some teams. And I, I think Derek Stingley is another player. I'm fascinated to see what he does because if he works out the way that he should and he shows up and he has a great attitude and he has great 15-minute inter- interviews, kind of starts that process with scouts and general managers and defensive coordinators. I'm not saying he's going to be the number one corner. I think that's Ahmad Gardner, the sauce gardener out of Cincinnati. But I think Stingley is a guy right now that's kind of wavering. If you take his 2019 tape, that's one of the best cornerback tapes that you'll find from a college player. But the last two years with the injuries, the inconsistency, he just didn't seem as dialed in. I'm excited to see what Derek Stingley does. And I think he's got a chance to kind of reverse the the negative momentum that's happened over the last couple of years with with his evaluation. Huge week ahead for Derek Sting. What do you got, Mel? Yeah. 
Field, just to say what Todd said, I think that I, I'm doing Mach 2.0. Equanu, Neil, uh, you'll see what Aiden Hutchinson does, and they got pretty wide open there. But I think if we're going to turn some predictions for the combine, Calvin Austin the third out of Memphis. Mm. If he didn't run the four threes, I'd be shocked. This kid is lightning fast on the football field. What he did at Memphis during his career, what he did this year, you remember that, that incredible play, that punt return, 94 yards, where he came around, scooped it up when Mississippi State went to sleep, and he ran it 94 yards for a touchdown on a punt return, did a great job catching the football. He's speed and he's consistency, and it's, it's rare to see that. He's tough. So and he's a football player with a track background. That 4-3 speed, if that shows up at the combine, Calvin Austin the third. hey, Hollywood Brown went in the late first. Uh, why couldn't Calvin Austin the third be in that late first round discussion after we come out of the combine? And a strong senior bowl week for him as well. Mississippi State fans still a little bit riled up about that play that Mel was referencing back <laughs> during this past regular season. We have teams, six of them specifically, that have big decisions in the first round of this year's draft. We're going to discuss them in just a second, but first a word from our friends over at Geico, because Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course, of course you'd love that. After all, who doesn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all things in your life, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and your RV. It even helps with homeowners, condos, or renters' insurance. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages, plus add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and choosing to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you can save. First Draft is also brought to you by Vivid Seats. With the Save for Turn of Live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right, every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, and every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From up a level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life. Happen. Live. All right, I mentioned we've got some big decisions, and these are teams that are not picking in the top 10 picks of the draft as of right now because teams, of course, orchestrate a trade like the 49ers did last year, went from 12 to 3. We're in Washington, D.C. right now, and Todd, I'll go to you here first because as things presently stand, Taylor Heineke is the only quarterback on the Washington roster who I think has a chance to be their week one starter, but should that be their plan going into 2022, running it back with Heineke, or should they be searching for a quarterback they currently own pick number 11? you got to be searching for a quarterback. Listen, Taylor Heineke came in and played really well. You can't take that away from him, and, and I'd love to have him as a backup because he's a guy that you know can come in and win some games. He's proven that, but you can't rely on that. And so, to me, the question isn't are we searching for one. It's, it's which direction do we go. We've heard some, some you know, rumors and some gossip about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo as a possibility. We've heard him in a couple different places, so maybe it's, it's Garoppolo. And that is an upgrade. I'm not saying he's the answer and that he's going to lead you to a Super Bowl, but he's, he's proven like he can win in the playoffs. And if you get enough guys around him, he's got to, he'll give you a chance. And then in this draft, you're, you're gambling on Malik Willis from Liberty. If, if you want to bring him in, that he can develop into what you think he can be. And it's probably going to be a two or three year gamble. The other way you could go is, is the, the safest bet, Kenny Pickett from, from Pittsburgh, who 
you have to you have to put the guys around him, like Mac Jones in, in New England, like Garoppolo in San Francisco, and it could be in Washington or some other places. The point is, you know what you're getting with Pickett, but do you want to gamble on the upside of the strongest arm, the most dynamic dynamic athlete in this class with Malik Willis? I mean, that's that's really the debate I think a lot of teams are having, and some other teams I've talked to, two other teams I've talked to, said that Matt Corral's right up there with those with those other quarterbacks on their board. So it's not over this evaluation process. There's a lot of parts to it. Not necessarily the combine for the quarterbacks, but more so I'd say for the, the private interviews and the private workouts are a lot more revealing to teams. But my point is the Redskins need to be in search. They've got to take hacks, whether that's the veteran route or to draft a quarterback with that, with that first round pick. You get penalized, Todd. You're the first one to say Redskins uh, in this uh, this uh, segment today. So we'll go to oh, the Commanders. My bad. Uh, my the, bad. My commanders. The commander, Thank my, you. My, the Commanders are going to, I think, look. Look, it may be a Kenny Pickett uh, if they want to go a guy who, at 24 years of age when the season begins, with 50 career starts under his belt. If they feel they have to wait a little longer for what's maybe Pickett's the guy at Mach 2.0 coming out tomorrow, and Kenny Pickett. At 11, Todd, you're trying to steal all the thunder, giving all these wild predictions. I got a 2.0 coming out, so just shut up for a little bit on the predictions if you can because you're ruining me on some, in some cases here. But in terms of Pickett, I'm with you on Washington at 11 uh, with Kenny Pickett. I think that would make a lot of sense. I think if you bring in, say, a Mitchell Trubisky and you work him in with the young quarterback, okay? Remember, when Josh Allen was drafted by Buffalo, they brought in, woo, A.J. McCarron. What happened? Josh Allen seized control. He said, hey, we got to make a move here to let McCarron go. So you bring in... Trubisky, ironically, from Buffalo, and you and let him go for a little bit. And you see what happens. Uh, or you can go, as you say, for Jimmy G or make a bigger splash. So Taylor Heineke, give the kid a lot of credit. I mean, come on, 70% or better in eight football games. Now, he had some struggles. Go back to the Dallas game, the Buffalo, New Orleans, Denver. Yeah, he had some struggles that indicated, yeah, he's probably more of an elite backup. And I mean elite backup. Uh, then he is a starter that you feel like can take you deep into the playoffs. But I give Taylor Heineke a lot of credit. He, he's deserving of, of doing what he did and getting some credit. And at, at, at worst, he's, a, he's an outstanding backup. And if they can get, as you say, a Kenny Pickett, who could, in my opinion, be a Derek Carr type, then they feel better about that. Carr, certainly one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, certainly one of the top 10 quarterbacks and had a heck of a career so far. So I think that's going to be interesting at 11. I would, I would, without giving it away, and I guess I am going to have to, I think Kenny Pickett from Pitt would make an awful lot of sense. All right, so we won't give away any more of Mel's 2.0, but we will go to Mel's neck of the woods, which is Baltimore with the Ravens with the 14th pick in the draft. Mel, right now, no extension yet for Lamar Jackson. That seems to be the biggest priority for the team this offseason. Let's talk about the roster. They've got some potential holes to fill on the defensive line. Is defensive line the area they must address in round one, or is it somewhere else? I think must address. I think they will address it um, a variety of different ways. Uh, I think you look at it as guys like Trayvon Walker from Georgia. But uh, the offensive line, you got to short up. And Lamar Jackson coming back from the injury. Ronnie Stanley, left tackle, coming back from injury. Right tackle's an issue. Center Bradley Bozeman, is he going to be back? He needs to be re-signed. So I think the offensive line, Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, I thought in Mach 1.0 would be there for the Ravens. I wonder if he will, Todd and Field. I wonder if Linderbaum will be there. He's such a phenomenal player. He's a plug-and-play starter. You watch him here just dominate. Got that wrestling background. He's done it all at Iowa for Kirk Ferentz, whose specialty is developing offensive linemen. I think Linderbaum, if he's there, uh, now that depends a lot on Bozeman. So, but then you go to Linderbaum, will he be gone? I think he could. And I think when you look at Mach 2.0, let's see where I have him going. I think Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, who's going to be – incredible at the combine. 
Todd, I think you'll be there. He's what, 6'7", 330. What's going to run? 495 to 505, somewhere in that area. He wowed everybody over with his mean streak and how he finishes and gets after people uh, at the Senior Bowl practices. Had a heck of a career at Northern Iowa. Remember, Spencer Brown was the right tackle. He was a left tackle. Spencer Brown now with the Buffalo Bills. So Trevor Penning would give him insurance behind Stanley and be the immediate right tackle. So I think Penning would make sense if Linderbaum were gone, depending upon what happens with center Bradley Bozeman. Yeah, you hit all, on all the names, Mel. I mean, I, you know, you look at the, the offensive tackles. That's probably the biggest need outside of what Field mentioned, the defensive line. And Trayvon Walker, a defensive end, would make sense because he's kind of that hybrid guy that can play outside. Then you can, you can move him inside on obvious passing downs to rush the quarterback. But if it's not defensive line, I think it's offensive line. And we know that, that Aquanu and Neal and Cross, who we've already talked about on this podcast, are going to be off the board at that spot at 14. So is it Linderbaum who, by the way, if Linderbaum's an offensive tackle, and he's not, he just doesn't have the length, he doesn't have the, you know, the long arms, all of that. But if he was an offensive tackle, we would be talking about him at that number one spot to Jacksonville. That's how good his tape is. Like I, I've watched Neil, I've watched Cross and Iquanu, and I put in Linderbaum shortly thereafter, and it's like, wow, this guy moves differently. He's got like this nastiness to him as a finisher. He, like, what doesn't he do? So I think he would be a great pick if he's available at 14. And then Penning to me, there's a drop-off. I like Penning, and I see the size, and I know he's going to run well, and I understand all that, and I think with some coaching, continued coaching in the NFL, he'll keep getting better, and he'll be a good starting tackle in the NFL, but I watch his tape, and there's some times where he's a little top-heavy. He lets guys get under his pads and knock them back. I love how he's a mauler. He's, he's a killer. He can move well, but I, you know that to me, it's a little early. If you're Baltimore, maybe they can move back and get him and get an additional pick or two, uh, but but it would be a little rich to take Penning at that spot, even though I know a lot of people have talked about Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa going to Baltimore at 14. Right behind the Ravens at pick number 14 are the Eagles, who have three of the next four picks. That's right, 15. Uh, three of the next five, excuse me. 15, 16, and 19. That, of course, comes courtesy of the trip with Miami last year and then also the Carson Wentz deal, which netted them that 15th overall pick from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so let me ask you, Mel, this team has the opportunity to kind of do maybe not whatever at once, but a lot of different things here. And we've been asking this question for a while now. Should they be sniffing around on major quarterback trade? Should they be using these three picks to beef up the defense? Should they be using these three picks to potentially give Jalen Hurts more weapons as their long-term option to starter? What would be your general direction if you were Philly? It's a tough one, Field. Uh, and Todd and I have talked about this a lot. Jalen Hurts is a tough one. Uh, he's talented. He, you know, you, you love the attitude, the character, everything about him. Dual threat. Is the passing skills going to keep improving? Mm. Is he going to see the field? Is he going to yeah. make accurate throws? Is he going to do on a consistent basis what you need to do? Uh, and and, and get, highlight and get the ball to Devontae Smith a little more. Had a really good rookie year with a quarterback that passing was a little inconsistent and erratic. Will that improve? And if it does, Jalen Hurts with the dual threat ability, with the lead leadership and the toughness, he could be a really good quarterback, but he's got to make strides. And that's why it makes you wonder, is, are you going to move forward with him or are you going to go somewhere else? But if you do move forward, you have the three picks, as you mentioned, and you talk about a wide receiver with some size. I think Todd had talked about Traylon Burks. I agree. Traylon Burks, if he runs well and tests well, but what he did at Arkansas uh, and the way he performed against elite competition would make sense. A cornerback, a pass rusher, and there's going to be some there. David Ojabo, Michigan, Arnold Abiquete, Penn State, cornerback Trent McDuffie, 
Washington. There's going to be some options there. So maybe hit defense with the corner and the pass rusher, and then look at a receiver as well if they do keep the three picks, at, you know, back-to-back -back and then what at 19. So we'll see if they do. But they're in a position to help the defense and get another weapon for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think, I think linebacker, defensive line, you mentioned secondary as well, wide receiver, those are kind of the four spots. And I, you're, you're not finding an upgrade at quarterback in this class that you that you are certain of. Let's put it that way. I, I just think if you're not going if you're not going in the the veteran direction, you're not going to make a big trade involving some of these these picks. Then you absolutely you know you, you just stick with the quarterback and you try to build around it. And that's that's the direction I expect the Eagles to go. So I gave him in my last mock Trayvon Walker, the defensive end from Georgia. It could be Jermaine Johnson, the former Georgia defensive end who transferred to Florida State. Uh, David Ajabo is a possibility. The Michigan speedster off the edge. I and mean, we've got edge rushers for days. That's going to be the theme at the Combine. That's going to be the theme at the, at the 2022 NFL Draft. This is one of the best edge rushing groups that we've seen in a long, long time. Starting with Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, and going down, as I mentioned, Trayvon Walker and, and Ajabo and Jermaine Johnson and so on and so forth. So this class is loaded. Take advantage of that. Get another top top-tier pass rusher, get a linebacker at that spot. Maybe it's N'Kobe Dean from Georgia if he's still on the board. If Devin Lloyd from Utah were, were to fall to that spot, you'd feel grateful. And then get a wide receiver at that at that 19th pick. Take advantage of having that third first rounder. If, you know, Traylon Burks is a is a, a great option, a big slot slot receiver who can create mismatches and can run after the catch. Or you can have Chris Olave, who's probably going to run the low four threes and is a burner and he's a silky smooth uh, route runner out of Ohio State. So they've got great options. I love where they're picking in this draft because the value's there, and I think the value's just as good 10 to 20, maybe as it is from, from 5 to 10. Will be really interesting because Philly, again, three picks, a lot of cap space, the potential to be bold if they so choose. We'll see what direction they decide to go. We've got three more teams with big decisions ahead. We'll get to those in just a second. But a reminder <clears throat> that the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is a podcast that brings you the latest news and trends in and around the NFL. Join Mina and guests such as NFL analyst Dominique Foxworth. If you like X's and O's, analytics, and probably too much dog talk, Lenny is a dog after all, then give the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny a listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back here on First Draft and big decisions ahead. And this morning, the Cardinals were in the news because the agent for Kyler Murray came out with a rather strong statement making it clear that his client wants to stay in Arizona long-term, but he wants to get paid, too, and paid like one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. But this is a draft show, so let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. And, Todd, I'll begin with you. Uh, they've got some key free agents this upcoming year, including the likes of Chandler Jones. This is a team that continues to improve, but it's evident that they need to start improving when it matters most, which is December and January, they have cratered mm. in recent years. How can they address some of their key roster holes, and what are some of those big roster holes, in your opinion, this offseason? Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Chandler Jones, so so edge could be could be a possibility. They're picking at twenty three. Maybe that's where you. you know, I don't know that David Ajabo is a perfect fit necessarily, but but also you, know, you could you could wind up with going with uh, George Karloftis from from Purdue, one of those players. So at twenty three, you're kind of at that bottom end of of the top tier pass rushers, but there still be guys there. We know about Sauce Gardner at corner from from Cincinnati and Derek Stingley from LSU, but after that, there's some really good corners, and it could be Trent. 
Mike McDuffie from Washington, or it could be his teammate, Kyler Gordon, who played in the slot early in his career and then moved more so to the outside this past year. And he's going to tear. I mean, the record's going to skip. When, when Kyler Gordon winds up going out and, and, and working out in this, in this combine. And people are just going to stop and be like, what, what? He ran what? His short shuttle was what? I mean, he's got this background in like jujitsu and, and dancing and all the, the flexibility he has and the explosive speed that he has. So that's a name to, to think about if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan. And I think probably in the second round, the offensive guard position, second or third round, we've got a, a, a lot of second day guards in, in this class and maybe some tackles that could convert inside to guard, but uh, I think Zion Johnson, we start there in terms of the guards or Kenyon Green. Some teams think that he's the, the best guard in this class out of Texas A&M. So it's either the BC guard or the A&M guard uh, that will come off the board. I think both of them are, are in the late first, early second round range, and then after that, you've got a bunch of depth too. So guard, corner, defensive end, three of the positions I expect them to attack. Yeah, you can't forget about wide receiver, Todd. It's another position they could look at a receiver like Jahan Dotson, Penn State, or Chris Olave from Ohio State. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Zion Johnson's going to be interesting. Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Ali Marpet retiring. Jensen, a free agent. We'll have to see. I think Zion Johnson, based on that center situation that we saw at the Senior Bowl, what he had done versatility-wise at Boston College, at a position at left tackle, still played it, then a guard, and a heck of a guard, and a guy who will give you that dual versatility inside at center or guard in the, in the NFL at the pro level. He will be attractive like Arizona, Tampa Bay. So I think Zion Johnson gets into the late first round area. Arizona's got one of four different areas they could go, but I would not rule out a wide receiver at that point. Move forward to pick number 26 where the Titans currently sit. The Titans had the number one seed of the AFC kind of miraculously, and then they lost their first playoff game to the Bengals. That bye plus the home field advantage really didn't mean that much to them. Now, this team at its core wants to run the football mm-hmm. and punish you on offense, and then defensively they want to beat you up up front where they sacked Joe Burrow nine times in that game. But with a quarterback and a running back and a wide receiver in Julio Jones, they're all guys who are, I stopped short of saying aging, but are veteran players. It feels like this is an important draft for Tennessee to nail because they need to get the most out of these picks while they have them on rookie contracts. What's the most important need for them, or who are some players that might make sense for Tennessee in that 26 range? Yeah, I think a receiver, and I think there's going to be some there at that point. I mentioned Calvin Austin the third earlier out of Memphis. He's an intriguing guy because he can fly, and he catches the football, and he's tough, and he has the punt return ability. So I think you're going to see a guy, if he doesn't go into late first, he's going to go into second round. He's a heck of a football player. You talk about who's pound for pound. He's, what, 5'9", 165? I get it. But this is a space game now. It's a different game. And I think this kid fits that very effectively. And we always get that little curveball in the late first round from a name that nobody's really mocked out as a, as a guy. I think Calvin Austin III could. But if you want to go by the way it could fall, Jahan Dotson, with the ball in his hands, is so electric coming out of Penn State. And a kid who's going to be ready to go to help out Ryan Tannehill, help out that offense. And they want somebody who can give him that ability after the catch and be a threat with the ability to put the ball in his hands. And I think Jahan Dotson could. Or, like I say, a Calvin Austin III. I love Sky more. If you're going to pass on a receiver early, don't forget about the Western Michigan Dynamo. You go back, Todd, I know you're going to look at Sky more. you got to be impressed with this kid. He, To me, he's a second or third rounder. He's a guy very yeah. underrated and a guy that's going to – Kyle Phillips, if you're looking at a slot guy out of UCLA in the third or fourth round, there's going to be some guys beyond the first round that you can pick up in a slot or a wide situation that's going to help you right away. 
Yeah, and you, you mentioned wide receiver I, I, and, and corner. But I think edge is another position they could go. And if it's not in the first, I mean, there are plenty of guys in the second, third round range. My Jay Sanders is a guy I think who's going to continue to develop uh, coming, out, coming out of Cincinnati. And it just has the length and the speed and explosiveness. Maybe they could get him somewhere in that, in that second round. Uh, cornerback is another position that I think that they, they could be in the market for. Maybe that's day two. We know about the guys in the, in the first round we've talked about. But beyond that, the depth of this cornerback class is really intriguing to me too. Kair Elam from uh, from Florida is a, a physical guy who plays, you know, zone but can play some man and, and just so instinctive as a player and he'll come and hit you. I mean, Vrabel, Mike Vrabel would love him, just his, his physicality and his toughness. Uh, beyond that, you've, you've got Martin Emerson is another physical corner. He's got some man-to-man limitations out of Mississippi State in that second, third round range. Uh, Kobe Bryant, the other Cincinnati cornerback who played uh, opposite Sauce Gardner all you know this past couple of years that he's he's a really good player as well so there are some names and players at the cornerback position and at edge that you can get in round two if the titans do in fact go with wide receiver as you suggested mel all right let's bring it to the last decision again these are teams outside the top 10 that have big decisions to make this offseason this is an interesting one miami last year after trading away pick number three to san francisco for pick 12 and two additional first-round picks, then traded back up to pick number six to get Jalen Waddell, which included sending one of those first-round picks to Philadelphia, their own in this year's draft. So the only pick that Miami has in the first round is 29th overall. That belongs to San Francisco. It appears, Todd, that Miami is committed. And I mean that, I know it sounds ridiculous for a guy in his third year, but I mean that importantly to Tua Tungavailoa, because last year it felt like the team was sort of one foot in, one foot out on Tua Tungavailoa. Uh, what is their priority this offseason? They got a new head coach in Mike McDaniel. It feels like the quarterback will be the same. Can they finally get him an offensive line that can protect him more than like a half a second? Yeah, I mean, tackle and guard, those are the, the two spots. And it, it, almost, it feels like, you know, Groundhog's Day with the, the Dolphins. Every year we're sitting here and it's like, all right, we, offensive line, we've got to protect the quarterback, offensive line. It's been like a decade that we've talked about. If it's not the number one need, you know, it, when quarterback probably was, it's turned into to the number one need now, and it was probably number two behind quarterback. So it's an ongoing problem, and it's ridiculous how many resources they put in the offensive line. They still don't have a, a group that you feel great about. They still can't let Tua go back on the long drops and, and take time for his receivers to, to separate and get open down the field consistently enough. So to me, it's got to be offensive line early. Linebacker's another position I think they could go. Mel talked about all the depth that you can get in the in the second, third rounds of this class. But to me, again, we, we know about the, the guys at the top of the draft coming off the board. Uh, Neil, Ekwanu, and Cross in no, no particular order. And then we talked about Trevor Penning coming out of uh, Northern Iowa as a possibility going 14 to Baltimore. If he doesn't go there, he's going to go somewhere, I think, in the top 20. Then, then after that, I think Bernard Raymond becomes the next best offensive tackle coming in from Central Michigan. He's, he's another guy. He's he, he was late to the game of football. He is so physically gifted. He came into to college as a tight end and has gotten bigger and bigger and stronger and powerful, but he's got some technique work that's got to go on. And, and beyond that, if it's not tackle, I think guard, and we mentioned two names, Kenyon Green from Texas A&M and Zion Johnson from Boston College would make sense where Miami picks so late in the first round. 
It's odd. I think the Bernard Raymond, when you watch him, and I did it over the last couple of days at Central Michigan, former tight end, he's impressive. He's got some great tape. Senior Bowl, there were some struggles. But if you can forget about that and overlook that and say, yeah, that was Senior Bowl, in game situations at Central Michigan, he was outstanding. I mean, he looked like a mid-first rounder in some of the games I studied. So I think when you look at where are the Bengals picking? The Dolphins are just ahead of Cincinnati. Mm. They need offensive line help. We know that. They could target a veteran in free agency. Armstead's out there and some others. But if they don't, and they're they looking at another piece, because they need really two or three, not just one. I'm talking about the Bengals. The Miami Dolphins are just ahead of Cincinnati. I think that ensures, in my opinion, based mm. on what I saw of Bernard Raymond, who's going to keep getting better and better. I said former tight end. We know his history, Todd. Uh, you would think that either Miami or Cincinnati would be able to land – uh, that Central Michigan uh, offensive tackle in the late first round. Ooh, great call right there, Mel. We could be we could see some interesting trade up possibilities, which almost always exists at the end of the first round because teams are looking to secure a player in the first round that affords them the option for a fifth year if that player obviously plays well during his first three seasons. Always look forward to the late end of the first round, usually around 11:30 or midnight Eastern time on night one, which is just two months away from right now. So those are six teams that have big decisions. Frankly, all 32 teams have big decisions in this year's draft, except for maybe the Rams. They have, like, no picks anyways, and they're Super Bowl champions. They can do whatever they want. But let's turn to Todd's spotlight players. And, Todd, this is sort of like Mel, kind of going off the cuff at the end of the show. Who's on your radar this week that we need to know more about? Yeah, I'm going to start with Ty Chandler, the guy from North Carolina. We've talked about all the running backs that are in the second, third round. I think Chandler is more of a, uh, to me, is more of a, a day three back. But I, I love when I pop on the tape and I don't know a ton about him, he, he's, uh, any player. And then you get a surprise. And Chandler was surprising me. He's got contact balance, breakaway speed. You see this in, in you know, the first clip. And then the thing that I like about him is yeah, he's a little lean in his frame. He can get bigger and stronger. But he's a tough runner and he also in the passing game I, I love that down the seam he catches the football he's not afraid to catch the ball in traffic and haul it in it's not just the outlet passes and then finally the toughness that he shows as a blocker it was really impressive and he sticks his nose in there put his he'll put his face in the fan and doesn't have a problem with it then after that, I've got Valus Jones, the, the wide receiver who was just an athlete. That's what he came into Tennessee as, and, and they, they basically made him a playmaker. And I, and I love the fact that if the ball's in his hands, he is absolutely a problem. You know, he, he's had some return ability, and anytime they, they can get him to the ball on, on a, you know, a quick throw and, and get him an opportunity to make a play in the open field, he's got the breakaway speed, he can pluck on the run, he's got strength, he's able to break some tackles, and then you know everything. Every one of the highlights of his tapes was a kind of a broken tackle after a quick pluck on the run and transitioning upfield, and then the opportunity to make a guy or two miss or to run away. And that's why I think Valus Jones, in a very deep wide receiver class that we've talked more about today, he's going to be kind of in that mix in the day two range. Maybe a worst case for him, early day three. But I think he's a playmaker who will continue to develop and, and get better in the NFL as he defines a role with his team. And then finally, another versatile player, and I go back to the running back position, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that it was never, you know, he's never going to be and never really has been the 30-plus carry guy. He just doesn't have that frame. But he is patient as a, as a runner, the pick and slide maneuvering and the vision to go with it. So he senses where, you know, where the linebackers are going. He senses where the cutback is. He picks and slides through, and then he has that upfield burst. 
He also, for a smaller back, has some contact balance. You've you got to wrap him up and make sure you bring him down. I'm not a pile pusher. He's not a, a big, overwhelming guy. But what I love, too, is he, he runs with urgency. He churns his legs at the ends of runs. And, he, and don't tell him what his height and his weight is when he's carrying the football. And then finally, separating with quickness and catching the football in the passing game. He is a good receiver who you legitimately can put him in the slot, and then he will block. I love his aggressiveness and his toughness for an undersized back. So he's kind of, you know, after the, the top two guys, I think, in Brees Hall from, from Iowa State, um, I, I think he's probably going to be the, the first back off the, the board if it's not Kenneth Walker from, from Michigan State. Those are probably the top two. Then I think it's between he and James Cook from Georgia. So it's going to be Kyron Williams, Notre Dame, or James Cook from Georgia to be the number three back, I think, ahead of Isaiah Spiller as I've done more tape on, on these guys, on Cook and Williams, and then also on Spiller. I think those guys are ahead of Spiller in terms of my rankings, at least, and, and probably where they come off the board in April's draft. You are a beaut, McShay. You, you said I'm going to start with Ty Chandler. I started with Ty Chandler a week ago. <laughs> I gave you all the stuff on Ty Chandler, and you're bringing Ty Chandler to light again. Uh, Ty Chandler's a good back. You're right, Ty. The no second question you, start, you, the the second you start talking, Mel, I press the mute button. I, I mean, I can't hear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Obviously, you don't, okay? Obviously, you don't because Ty Chandler is a good football player. So I heard something to indicate because I know you're looking at him as a good football player as I am. He's durable. He strings those cuts together. He varies his speed. He doesn't rush it. Uh, he caught, uh, what, 19 passes, the most he had had, or not 15 this year. 19 was the most he had at Tennessee, and he's been durable throughout his career both at Tennessee and North Carolina. Like Ty Chandler, I think fourth round area. I think you're right. Day three, you're going to get some really good running backs available at that point. Uh, yeah, I think there's no question. Kyron Williams deserves to be in the third, fourth round as well. As a good football player. So you highlight some ones there. I'm going to hold back on my off-the-script guys until next week since you went for about 20 minutes on yours. I hope you, you afford me that same opportunity next week without an interruption. I'll let you go, Todd. Hope you show me the same courtesy next week as well. Wow. Next week's show may have to I be I always do, Cody. I love it. Great stuff as always from Mel and Todd. Just a programming note. First draft returns next Monday. Thursday show. Well, we're kind of busy at Indy this week. There'll be tons of draft coverage on ESPN TV throughout the week. And follow everybody on social media. Go read ESPN.com to get the latest information on what is taking place at the 2022 NFL Combine. For the two greats, Mel and Todd, I am Field. We'll talk to you guys next Monday.